Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels, and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name's Mark Smith, and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. This week's exchange is with Janina, who's been a key DJ at Berlin's Club Divisionaire for over a decade. She first played there at the tender age of 18 has built a subtle, flowing style behind the decks, which has led her to become a regular booking outside of the city. After a busy season in Ibiza, Ginny came by our Berlin office to reflect on the influence of her home club and city, and the arc of her career so far. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at RA-Exchange. The exchange with Janina is up next. Talking to me about Ibiza. You were there for five months. How was it? It was interesting, and it's also pretty hard if you're working there. It's something else than holidays, definitely. So, Ibiza is a luxury place, for sure. But you have also the, the opportunity to have a nice hangover on the beach. The weather is always good, especially for for the European people. I went there because the, the the weather is so nice. This is the most important thing for me in my life. I need good weather also. And yeah, I was working there also. Like I had the residency for um, Unusual Suspects in, at Sankey's. Was it the first season? The summer just gone. That was the first time they had the party, right? Yes. This minimal, well, not minimal, but like Us. deeper. Yeah. Minimal, yeah. Like Thomas Melcher was playing, Radu, Pedro, yeah. me, Bin, Nicolas... Lutz, yeah, our music. Yeah. Let's call it like that. Yeah. So, what yeah. do you call this music actually? Because it's so hard to define, <laughs> isn't it? Like, no one has, <laughs> no one has an answer. Because it's not minimal anymore. It's not like, well, I guess it never actually really was minimal. It was like minimal house, minimal techno. There is no description for this. I think at the end, everything is electronic music, and it, there are so many different. Uh, directions now there is minimal house there's minimal techno there is minimal pop there is big room house big room techno uh, it's a lot if i look back like 15 years ago when i started to buy music and when i start to get into the electronic music there was just techno and house and now over the last 15 years they came so much new things up it's a bit confusing also, but there is no no philosophy for me, actually. So I, I, I don't want to think about it. It's just about the tunes. Yes. It's just about playing. And for me, it is as if I'm a child also. And when I was a child, I, I had no sense about thinking what I'm doing or about time or like... Yeah, it's for me when I enter the music. It's for me as if I'm as if I'm a child. So and I don't want to think about it. There's no philosophy for me. It's just doing my own thing. 
and I don't care if it's minimal or, or big room or whatever. Do you ever feel like there's too much focus on like trying to describe things? I think lots of people from this kind of scene that you're in, they are pretty against this whole idea of like interviews and then reviews and... No, I think it's interesting, like people like you, like resident advisor, for example, it's nice to see that you are very interested in what every DJ from every music is doing. And you just try to teach the other people or to show maybe also people that have nothing to do with techno music. You just want to show them what we are doing in our little scene. For me, it's more worse if there are people, they want to have the interviews with you or with other big magazines to show off. This is the thing which I'm totally against it. Yeah, do you see it? Like, uh, Of course, I see it a lot. It's funny because like, I guess whenever we speak to someone, we don't really know them so well, so we just see one perspective on a person and it's sometimes really hard to tell who are the people just doing it to like promote themselves and so even it's a very big thing i mean i'm not against facebook and all these things because i'm using it also and it can help you of course but at the end facebook and all these internet things are not the best thing i would say because for example last time last week i was sitting in the restaurant alone I didn't have my phone with me and I saw um, behind me like three, four persons on the table and like really for like two minutes, they didn't talk. They just had their phones in their hands, checking emails or Facebook, making any posts, Instagram. I was shocked. When I go out for a dinner with my friends, the last thing I have with me is my telephone. The last thing I'm thinking about is making a post on Facebook now or Instagram to show the people, look, I'm sitting in a restaurant now and doing blah, blah. Yeah. So this is sad thing about all these internet platforms, I would say. It's pretty crazy. Like, I wonder what's going to happen with it. So I'm 27. I didn't get a phone until I was 16 or 17. But what about kids now? Like, they already know how to use an iPhone when they're like five years old. I'm checking this now when I'm going through the city. I see a lot of kids with the telephone now. But if I had a kid now, maybe some parents thinking they have to give their kids a phone because um, if you don't have it in the school, maybe you're going to have some problems when as the, as the kid. Yeah, yeah. But, like they think they have to know the technology. They before have to, to get problems yeah. with the other kids and not being involved, it's better to go with with them the same way, you know, like... Yeah, I would love to have a kid and grow the kid up uh, in, in the village. It should grow up in the village without anything, yeah? But it's impossible now. It's pretty sad. Yeah. It's funny, though, I was chatting about this with one of my colleagues. He said, I wonder if every generation has felt like this. Like, whoa, this is the end. Like, if our par- like the people <laughs> 10 years older than us were also thinking, oh, I'm so glad I was born, like, in the 70s. <laughs> I'm more wondering about... Like, what else can come more? I mean, there is like everything now, the laptop and the iPads and everything. And there's always coming something new. And I'm thinking like, what is that? Like, what, which new things can come up now? I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about that. You like this with music? Like, look at the thing at the moment with all this. I guess you all know about this electro hype, you know, everyone playing breaks. And um, what do you think about that? It's always important to grow up. And inspiration is also a very important thing. For an example, there's a lot of uh, DJs now, newcomers. They searching old music on Discogs to show off with this. Not because they are interested in it. They think they have to do it to have their stand in the scene. And I met a lot of people. They don't do their, their thing they want to do. When did this start happening? I was speaking to Dorian Paik about it. But he's a bit older than you, and he only moved to Berlin like recently. Mm-hmm. But you've been in Berlin around this CDV scene for so long. I'm you, born here. Exactly. <laughs> you've seen this. Uh, I saw a lot. <laughs> you've seen this hype like coming. I saw yeah. many hypes. There so, were yeah. so many hypes. So what else? What else happened? So I've been here since 2011, and I think like everyone was still playing house then, and it's just been in the last like I don't know, two or three years mm, that everyone I mean, starts the electro thing. 
So what was before? Before I can tell you exactly. <laughs> so 15 years ago, I was 15. I was super into like techno pop, like Northern Light, West Bam, Lexi and K. Paul, all these things. Like I went out to clubs like Casino, Polartv. That was the time. And at the same time, there was coming up Osgood, the old Osgood and Panorama Bar. But I was too young, of course, to go there. So I think two years later, when when they closed, when Osgood closed. closed, we had a party at called Beat Street. Angela and Guido, they were the first who are starting to do after parties on a Sunday in Berlin at that time with our music. So and I remember it was in Kreuzberg, super illegal. Like just 200 people on a Sunday, 11 in the morning, I think we started. And I was 17. I will never forget. And I entered this super fucked up place, dirty windows, two lights inside, stinking, hot, wet. And I entered the room and I saw Richie Horton and Ricardo Villalobos playing vinyl back to back. Magda, Cassie, all these uh, dinky, All these girls, all these DJs at that time, like Ricardo and Richie, it was kind of new in Berlin. This minimal, this minimal kind of music. Sound, yeah. No one knew who's Cassie, who's Magda, who's Dinky, who's like it was something new. They created like a new scene with this music. It was also at the time when the Akatsuba album came out of Ricardo, so it it was a big boom with this kind of music. I will never forget it. Yeah. So these are the guys that brought it to Berlin, I guess. Because I, mean, I, I guess say, Zip yeah. moved to Berlin around then. I Or, would say yes. So yeah. Beat Street is pretty important then for this whole like uh, oh, scene or whatever you want to call it. It was a very important thing, I think. See, I know about it, but I haven't heard so much. I just know they have this label. For me, it's but, the best thing I saw in 15 years of techno. For me, I'm I'm glad that I had the opportunity to join that time, because at that time it was about music and nothing else. It was not about what clothes you're wearing, in, in which booking agency you are. There was not even Traktor. There was no Facebook. I don't remember if we had even phones. Was MySpace there? I think it was the MySpace time, <laughs> exactly. Did Zip have a MySpace page? I don't Did know. Did he ever have one? I don't know. I have no idea. Did you have one? I think my old MySpace page still exists. <laughs> I was searching it like one year ago, but I couldn't find it. But it's a good idea. Maybe we should go back to MySpace. Yeah, bring it back to MySpace. Tom <laughs> is MySpace. What is about Tom? Where is he, actually? Mark Zuckerberg killed him or Yeah, something. I think so. Maybe he's working for him now. Yeah. And so Beat Street. So what? It's around 2003, 2004, I guess. Mm -hmm. When did you get in touch with Club Division Air? 12 years ago. Yeah. Were they also playing this... Has CDV also always been known as this minimal kind of exactly. place? CDV is also known for a place where... I think they were the f also one of the first places in Berlin outside making after hours on a Sunday during the daytime. Because I think before that time, Berlin was more into Tresor, like more into the club scene. And I think Beat Street and also Club de Visionera were one of the first who created in our music the Sunday afternoon parties. Interesting. Yes, I think I would say, yeah, they were one of the first. So who were the Beat Street people, you said? Guido, not Guido, Guido, and, Sch Guido Schneider. No, not Guido Different. Schneider. No, no, no. Guido and Angela. Were they from Berlin or from Frankfurt? Or? I have no idea. But what they did, it's a very big thing and very important thing and I'm happy I have no pictures about it because it's a time you were there or not. You can't describe it in, in, in pictures or videos. I think there are maybe 20 pictures of the whole party. No, I think Guido is hiding, of course, some pictures. But <laughs> Now he's going to do a photo album book in like five years. Yeah. This was Beat Street. <laughs> no, they never came out with pictures. <laughs> Yeah, it was a different time, wasn't it? So were you meeting many foreigners back then at parties? Were people coming to Berlin to do music? Or was at it still time, mostly not. German, still at German in the clubs? Like At that time it was yeah. not. I think also like a time when European people had the opportunity to start to fly very cheap with Ryanair and EasyJet. I think around that time it started that Berlin got very a very touristical place. 
the I EasyJet would, set. Yeah, like I would say it's book. because of that. A big part, EasyJet and Ryanair, when they start to give the people the opportunity to fly for 50 euros through whole Europe, this is one of the main reasons, I would say, why Berlin or Barcelona or London is now f more full of tourists in our music scene than 20 years ago. Do you think that's made it better or worse? I'm not the person who is saying before everything was better. It was different. And we all grow up. And I think it's impossible now to create such a vibe and party we did 2002 or three. Yeah, I guess this everything is so different now, like yeah, the Facebook was, and like internet. It and was all so this. illegal, like the location and like when the police came, they came inside and we just said we are having a birthday party. Shut down the music, shut down the lights. They came up and we just said, yeah, we are doing a birthday party now. And inside like massive rave, hot and wet. And it's, I think now it's impossible to do it because now we have like 50 different parties every week. And at that time it was something special to have one party on a Sunday afternoon. So would you go there fresh or would you go out, would you stay out all weekend and then at go? At that time I went out fresh because I was so addicted in it. I, I couldn't believe what's happening there. I was 17, woke up Sunday morning at nine and then went straight to, to, to see the guys playing. I was like, I didn't know anyone from them. And it was just beautiful to go there and to see Ricardo and Rich Horton playing together in this place. <laughs> I didn't want to take any drugs. I wanted to join this on, on normal. Yeah, to be clear-headed and yeah. understand was the most, one of the most beautiful things they happened in my life. So, I will never forget it. So how long did this party, how many years was it going for, Beat Street? Five, six years maybe. A few years. A few years, yeah. yeah. I wonder what these guys are doing now. It would be pretty interesting to, to speak they to them. They are doing no parties anymore. Yeah. Because as I said, it was something special you can't create now anymore. It's impossible. And I think that's why they decided to leave it for the books and to stop when it's the most beautiful. Did you go to the last party? Was it a big like finale, like this is the final oh, one? That's a good question. I don't think so. The last I remember was in Charlottenburg in an old Nazi bunker. There was playing Richie. It was a minus showcase. I think that was the last one I went. So you've always kind of been around this music then? This more loopy, totally. like, trippy stuff. It's like yeah. your thing. I grew up with this. I yeah. It's pretty cool, though, because most people get into it a bit older. Like, they're into, like, I don't know, cheesy house first and then find Ricardo Villa. I mean, first I started, like, the first two years when I was 15. But, I yeah, started but you're off. still pretty young. Like uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I dropped out school I because I was so addicted in it, in this music. And to see... A club and a place where so many people coming together and everyone is there just because of the same reason. And they create an amazing energy. It's priceless. It's just a beautiful thing. And for that, I, I even stopped going to school when I was 16. What did you tell? What was the excuse? There was no excuse. I just didn't go anymore. So I didn't care. I was like, yeah, okay, ciao. <laughs> So, did you finish high school? After. Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I did my abitur. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I'm not proud of it. But if I didn't have that time, I wouldn't be here now. You mean no. with you needed to get yeah. straight? If I like... didn't drop school, I wouldn't be here right oh, now. Oh, that's what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it all worked out in the end. Yes. Now you're in a visa I'm resident. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so once Beat Street was going... Do you think this inspired, like, lots of people to then put on parties with this kind of music as well? Did everyone suddenly know Richie Horton and Ricardo Villalobos and I then want to book them? Okay, let's get in for our party. No, in I think, uh, no, Beat Street, it was really such an underground moment we all shared together. And I think also at that time it was not about, oh, he played there, so I'm booking him now. And she was playing with him, so I have to book her. 
No, no, no. At that time, it was not about that. As I said, at that time, it was really about an idealistic community coming together and being there because of one reason, because of the music and losing any sense of, of time and, and the normal life. That was the reason, I think. Mm. Yeah. Are you still friends with anyone who you met at those parties? Yeah. <laughs> who else used to go? My best friend, Jennifer, of course. Yeah. yeah. And I still see all the DJs are still around. Yeah. Sammy D, Zip. Ricard. So Zip would play? I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was Perlonized happening? I don't know what happened with Perlon at that time. Uh, I cannot tell you. Yeah. So when did you start buying records? When I was 15, yeah. Oh, so you're already so into I it. dropped out school and then um, I went to a record shop and I asked if they need anyone who can work in the shop even without money. So and I ended up in the uh, DNS record store and yeah, I was working there for like two or three years. First, I did a practicum and then at the end, yeah, I was there for like three years and. I learned a lot of things there. You got discount on records? Mm-hmm. What, and DJs would come in? I will never forget my first officially customer I had was Woody. Really? Berlin <laughs> legend? Yes. <laughs> and I was so excited because he came in and my boss Gabor said, like, you have to give him now this and this music and he wants to listen. And I had no idea about anything. And then he entered the shop and I had like 50 records organized for him before. And then he came in. I took the records, I walked to him, and then, of course, all the records fell down of my hands. Do you remember what records he bought from the pile? I cannot tell you. <laughs> Too cheesy? <laughs> no. No, I don't say anything. It's a top secret thing. <laughs> there are one, two records I still remember, so of course. <laughs> yeah. So, like, was DJing competitive in those days? Because I remember reading about Frankfurt, and they were saying, like, yeah, man, like, maybe some record shops would only get two copies of a record. And then it would go to the best DJs or like the DJs that were the closest with the owners or whatever. Was it like that? A little bit, yeah. And of course, when you're working there, you get the records first. Yeah. So there, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this, yes. What do you think now? Is DJing like, would you say DJing is competitive? Like are people always comparing themselves to what other DJs are doing? I mean, the people I have around me, we are not talking about any other DJs in a bad way. Because for me, there are so many other interesting things to talk about or to think about. Like, of course, there are sometimes people I meet and you have like the typical gossip and talking about the club and the party from the last night. But I don't know. I mean, the people I have around me, we don't care about these things. That's the best way to be. Not I think waste so. time like It's uh, wasting time to think about other people or to talk bad about other people. I think of course everyone had their time full of gossip and talking about uh, other people, even me also. But then I realized it's so bad. It's bad energy to talk bad about other DJs or to talk bad about the music they play. Everyone has his own taste and everyone is doing his own thing. And we should be all happy that we are all in this little world together and have the opportunity to have such an amazing life. I think we have the best time in our life. I mean, I have now the best time in my life and I want to enjoy it and not wasting my time about other people. Yeah, it's a good way to be. It's the funny thing uh, about criticizing or about not criticizing people for what they play because it's a really bad way to be. Like, because everyone just has different tastes, don't they? Yeah. You can't say, like, blah, 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 plays such no, shitty music. No, I mean, everyone is doing what they want to do. The thing I think is, like, the music you end up liking, it somehow just comes to do with luck, maybe. Like, it all depends on, like, who you met when you were getting into music. Like, you know your first experiences, maybe I could be really into, like, if I had just made different friends when I was, like, 19, definitely. maybe I would have been into loop, like, definitely. techno. Of course. But I just happened to meet people who knew who Zip was. Exactly. And that's why you get into this. Of course. 
of course, as I said before, Beat Street and Club de Visionaire, I was in a completely other world, like techno pop, it was almost there. And then one of the most important thing came into my life, which was Club de Visionaire and also the Beat Street parties. And this changed my life completely. So how did you find this Beat Street party? I don't remember. I think I was... I really don't don't remember. I wish I could remember. And I wish I wrote everything down in, the diary. in my diary, but I didn't do. I really don't know. I just remember I was there the first time. I was 17 and I was shocked on a good way. Yeah. Yeah. You have records, you're working in the record shop. When did you start thinking like I can be a <laughs> DJ? I never think about being <laughs> a DJ. It's it's the fault of Gregor, the owner of Club de Visionaire. Because I met him when I was 17 and um, he said like, ah, let's do an after party. And we went with some people together at some place and there were some records and I just played. I mean, of course, I had turntables in my house before because I was working in a record shop. But I never had the idea or vision to be a DJ. I never thought about it. I was just so addicted in the music and I just want to buy all the vinyls and I just wanted to enjoy them in my house and listening the music in my house. I never had the idea to be a DJ. And then Gregor came up to me and said, hey, you should play in my club. And I'm like, hey, are you crazy? I'm 17. I have no idea. I'm not even allowed in. Uh, and he said, okay, knock on my door when you're ready. And then a year later, I was 18. I was knocking at his door and I said, hey, I'm ready. And this is how the story began. So what year was that? 12 years ago. So, uh, da, 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 da. so was Bin yeah. already around then? He came two years later, I think, uh -huh. 2006. So you've been a resident longer than Bin. Yeah. You, <laughs> no, no, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe one or two years, I don't know. So do you remember your first uh, CDV set? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How was it? Terrible. <laughs> oh, really? Because I was thinking, okay, if I go there to play, I have to play Perlon music, so... I took all my Perlon records, which was like maybe 30 Perlon records, on the Monday afternoon. And yeah, I think it's it's not good to play music you don't feel to play. So you should play the music you really like and you think it's it's good for yourself to play it. But I just play it to, to show off, of course, to, to Gregor and the other guys to get the chance to play again. So I was thinking I have to play a lot of Perlon records and then they will like me. <laughs> That was my first set. An all pearl on set. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Mixing wise, I don't think it was nice, but. So, did they still have the bullfrogs then? At that time or now? That time. No, I know no. they changed now. No, but... no, no. Oh, so what no speakers bullfrogs. did they used to have? Oh, I don't know. Some, some, some. I really don't know. Some speakers. Some black speakers. The only thing. I, oh. <laughs> I really don't know. Has it changed much? Of course, the crowd has changed, mm -hmm. but has the atmosphere pretty much been the same? Like, you know, everyone just hangs around drinking in the afternoon, then it turns into a party at night. It's still the same. Yeah. Of course, the people changed. Of course, the music changed. And of course, the DJs who are playing now there changed. But at the end, the spirit is still in the club because the owner of the club is... He's a visionaire, I would say, of course, and he kept the spirit there. Yeah, Gregor is definitely one of the behind-the-scenes heroes of Berlin, isn't he? Underground heroes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. that's what I was going to say, but yeah, I thought it was... <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and he's also... Uh, it's funny, um, like, I've known Gregor through Visionaire also, and I always considered him, like, kind of serious, but then I saw him... You know, the Sonos Festival. Mm -hmm. And he was like, it's the happiest I've ever seen him, like jumping around, running, smiling. And I could see like, okay, that's why everyone... Uh, He's yeah. one of the biggest childs I know. Exactly. On a good way. Yeah. yeah. I had never seen this like childish like sign. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. What? So you're playing at Club Division Air in 2004. And then was that place well known en enough where if you played there often, you would then get other gigs? At that time, I I was just playing there. And as I said, I never had the vision to be a DJ, so I didn't concentrate on having bookings 
around the world. I mean, I was 18, 19. Mm. I didn't think about it at all. Of course, now it's still helping me because it's written behind my name and it's me, it's my life. But at that time, as I said, I, I was just playing there and didn't know what I'm doing. So how many times per week would you play? Oh, God. There was a time like I was playing times? like one or two times for oh. sure. Especially the time with Rebecca together. We were like having every second Friday. It was her night. But she always took me to her nights, invited me. So we create together the night all is the name of the nights. But it's her baby, of course. And it was like over two or three years we were playing every second Friday for almost 25 hours. So we're starting together at f three o'clock in the afternoon till Saturday 12. So the parties went pretty long then also. Very, very long. We had our food there, drinking water, trying to stay healthy over these hours. Yeah. And uh, would your friends come down? Like, was it a big meeting spot for people into this music yeah. as well? I mean... Like Facebook was not so important at that time. So, of course, the closest friends we invited, but it was so nice when you start your night there and you see like, oh, look, who, she's there and he's also there. And oh, nice how she knew about it. And it was so cool when all the people met. It's not like today where you see this list of oh people God, who are going to come. Like yeah, Crazy. I never thought about that before, actually. It was so like, nice. Like when I was a child also, it was really after the school we had our meeting point with my friends, like at three o'clock. We knew we we're gonna meet there and hang out together. There was no phone, no Facebook, nothing. It was beautiful. I think it's so beautiful like this. Yeah, it's definitely much different now. Yes. Do you see any good sides to this technology? These no. things? I guess Discogs is good. <laughs> it's yeah. funny though, like uh, it's pretty easy to get caught up in the Discogs hive. Yeah. And then only buy records of Discogs. I think lots of people are doing that. Yeah, but for me, it's like when I go shopping clothes, which I hate, but I have to go in the shop. It's the same with vinyls. I have to go in the vinyl shop and spending there like hours and listening the records, having them in my hands. And I cannot buy vinyls or also clothes through the internet. It's not my thing. So have you ever done it? Yes, of yeah. course, Discogs, there are some things I still buy, but it's not my favorite. But you have to buy music on Discogs because they have music you can't find anywhere else. That's why I'm using it. But I'm not a fan of it. I'm more a fan of going into the shop and spending there my time. So how do you think record shops are these days? Are you buying lots of new stuff? Uh, yeah, besides I buy new stuff, but I'm, of course, interested in music back in the days. It's very interesting because you find like, oh my God, who's this guy? He did such an amazing music 20 years ago. And this is for me like also inspiration kind of. I don't buy old music because I'm thinking it's better to buy to play old music now. For me, it's so interesting to see what producers, what kind of music they did so many years ago. Have you heard much of this, the electro stuff people are making now? Yeah. What do you think? Do you think it sounds new? Do you think it sounds like old? This at the end it's all old music they are playing now, yeah? But no one did it before. So it's, that's it's kind why of it's like something a new, new thing. Yeah. That's it. But they, it's old music like underground resistance and of course some other things I never heard about it. It's uh, not music which is coming just which came up now. It's all old music. All old electro stuff from the UK and, and, and also some German things, America, of course. The only thing which is new is that the people are playing it now. Yeah, and much slower, I guess. And much slower, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I guess Stingray is playing pretty fast. Oh, yeah. He's playing this but Detroit stuff. The music he's playing, you have to play yeah. in that tempo. It's impossible yeah. to play it like 120 BPM. You Sounds have so to bad. play it yeah. fast and... I love him, what he's doing. I could never play this music, but it's an amazing thing. I mean, I, I don't need to talk about him, actually. Are you a techno DJ now? Oh, God. Because like, <laughs> the last, last I, I remember seeing when this Bergheim date oh. happened. I was like, hang on. Well, I thought you okay. were a DJ. <laughs> of course. Musically, I born in, in Club de Visionera, and these are my roots. But 
I had a time like two years ago, I was so into the techno thing because also Monasterio came into my life, Monasterio Club in Moscow. And I was like so happy to see that new techno is coming up now in our scene again, that people are interested in, in really techno music. And it was a big hype. And I'm honest, I went with the hype. And it's very bad to go with the hype, I think. It was a huge mistake of mine. But So you don't play it anymore? Well, I guess maybe some in some sets, but I you're mean, not playing like full techno I'm not a techno sets. DJ. I played techno music because everyone else did it also, I'm honest. But now I realized that you really have to do what you feel and what you like. And the last two years, it was not the thing what I really felt or liked. I went more through the hype because I was thinking, okay, I have to play techno now because everyone is playing techno. I'm doing it for so long now. I'm there for 15 years. I think it's okay to have like a wrong direction for a little time. So did you find like following the hype made you more successful? No. Yeah, that's the thing. There's not even that much benefit. No. I didn't do it to get successful. Yeah. I was like, of course, I played also like three times at Berghain, three, four times downstairs. And I, it was so beautiful to play there because the sound is one of the most amazing sound systems to play. And then I got more addicted into the techno music, but then I realized it's not me. No. So you sold all the records? No, I still have them. And in 20 years, I will be happy to that I still have them. Yeah. Because it's like a book. When I see all my records 10 years ago, it's like a book for me, as if I watch two old pictures. Yeah. Because every record is telling me a story of my life. So maybe you have bad memories of this. Of course, <laughs> definitely. But I still have the records because it's also important to have some bad times in your life because you grow up and yeah. learn out of it. Just say you woke up one morning and thought, I want to be like a superstar DJ. No. No, but do you think that you could stop playing the music you like oh, okay. and just play like kind of this big room sound? I wonder if you think that you could hack the system. I don't want to hack the system. Yeah. I don't want to have thoughts like that. Yeah. And I'm I never freaky. had I never had thoughts like that being a big DJ. It's not about that. It's not about having 20 gigs a month. No, it's not my vision. There are some DJs they do it to get uh, they want to be very big, which is also nice. I mean, there's nothing bad in it. I think they also have their best time in their life because they get booked everywhere playing big stages, everyone loves them, putting their names on posters, whatever. It's For them, it's nice. But for me, it's not my vision of life. It's not my idea of being a DJ. I guess it depends on where you get the satisfaction from. And for some people, yeah. the satisfaction is like what you say. Yeah. The posters, like huge crowds. But if you're playing this deeper stuff, you're getting satisfaction from something else. Yeah. Like the emotions or you're getting rewarded in a different way. So why do you DJ? Why I'm yeah. a DJ? Yeah. What do you think? Like, what's the thing that makes you happy about it? Because when I was young and I went out to techno clubs, as I said, it was one of the most beautiful things to see so many people being happy at the same moment because of the same thing. It's one of the most beautiful things to see so many people creating an amazing energy. And everyone has kind of the same thoughts in their mind for over hours. As a DJ, you have the opportunity to create this vibe and energy and to teach the new generation or other people, whatever, to teach them and to show them how beautiful it can be to stay in a club and spending hours together. And I think the most important thing is the music also in this case. So. For me, one of the most beautiful things as a DJ, when I play and I see the people understand what I want to say. You understand what I mean? Yeah, so, of course. Yeah. Of course, it can't happen all the time. It's impossible. But if this happens, then it's one of the most beautiful things. So how often does it happen? One time a month. Really? <laughs> I don't know. No, no, yeah. no. Ah. It's a very special emotional thing. And is it like unpredictable? Like it can be a big venue, it can be a small venue? Yeah, or... I think so. Of course, it's more possible in a small venue, I think. But no, it can happen every time, everywhere, I think. So where have you played lately that's been really surprisingly good? 
I remember I was playing in Social Music City. In Italy? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. This huge, big rave, 8,000 people. And I was playing the end slot. And I really felt to play techno, techno, techno. But then I started with some house, like 124 BPM. And the people, they loved it. And I was not expecting this at all. I was thinking I have to play like the yeah, new modern hard. typical techno. But I was like, okay, you try now what you feel and what you want to play. And they understood. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a nice time. So when you're DJing, like, when do you start to get the feeling that this is going to be a fun set? When I feel good. Yeah. It's the most important thing. So it can be from the first track if you see people cheering. Yeah, like. but it depends on you, first of all, because you can't expect from the people they like your music if you don't like yourself. Yeah, you've got to yeah. be happy. Like You have to feel yourself good. You have to be clear with your... I'm not, not clear with yourself, but I think if I'm in a bad mood, I cannot go to play and show off in a good mood. It's impossible. If I'm in a bad mood, the people are also in a bad mood. If I'm in a very good mood and sound system and everything is perfect, everything is amazing then. So if you're not in a good mood... Yeah. Like... Then people are also on the not in the good mood. Yeah, because you're tr transmitting emotions somehow. Of course. Seems like a kind of hippie thing to say, but that's yeah. what's actually happening. You're playing music that s people yes. have put emotions into. Music so. is one of the most emotional things on our planet. As a DJ, it's a very beautiful thing if you can show other people, especially who has nothing to do with the music, if you can show or teach them how beautiful it can be. And if they understand it, it's one of the most beautiful things in life what can happen. I'm not a DJ to get famous. I'm not a DJ to earn money. I was working like the last 10 years. I, I cleaned hotel rooms. I put flyers on the street for five euros an hour to buy vinyls. I worked in the most terrible clothes shops. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a DJ to make money and I'm not a DJ to get famous. I'm addicted in playing vinyls and I just love it. It makes me happy. It's my inspiration and it's my motivation and I need this in my life. If I don't have the music in my life, I don't exist. I can't exist. It's such an important thing in my life and that's why I'm a DJ because it's just beautiful to mix two records together and then you see the people, how happy they are and you're creating this amazing energy between the, the people and yourself and it's priceless. That's why I'm a DJ and it should be like this and not because of getting famous or, or having 20 gigs a month. No, it's not about that. Yeah, the, it's pretty interesting actually. So like, when do you think ego comes into it? Like, do you feel like proud about being a DJ? No. Like, is there some kind of ego involved somehow? No, like, I'm not proud of it. Because it's an interesting thing, like, uh, because obviously for a lot of people it is. I mean, of and course. Maybe this I'm, is the pure DJs, actually, the ones where there is no ego. Yeah. Well, of course, maybe. everyone has an ego, but like, yeah, there are just some people where music is actually the reason they're DJing, not to be cool in front of their friends yeah. or. I mean, of course, I'm proud where I am now. Not just about the music, like my whole life. I'm I'm proud because I. Yeah, I'm proud of being a DJ, of course, and that I have the opportunity to have such an amazing life now, to have the best time in my life and not working 50 hours a week in a clothes shop. I'm not saying it's bad, but that's why I'm, I'm of course, happy and proud of it, that I create my life now as it is. I'm super happy and, yeah, I'm, I'm happy and proud of it, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, you should be. That's kind of like a healthy way to look at it I guess it's just funny like like you were talking about the digging thing like some people just playing records because they want to show off or I think so yeah there's not a lot of them but there are some as I said as a musician as a DJ or producer you have to follow your heart and you have to do this what you like if you don't do it then you shouldn't do it That's it. Yeah, it seems like a simple thing, but yeah. it doesn't happen all the time, does it? Exactly. So what do you listen to when you're not DJing? What's on your stereo at home? I, I love listening to ambient 
music and a lot of soundtracks from movies. I'm very addicted in music without any beats. Do you have a favorite movie soundtrack? Is there one the that we should all the, check? At the moment is the Revenant, of course, from... Is it? Oh, what's the Japanese Ivan dude? Moto, uh, the Japanese guy, his name is Ryuchi Sakamoto, I think. It's a bit Hold difficult. Hold on, yeah. <laughs> uh, cast Nikolai, they did the soundtrack of the movie, The Revenant, and I wake up with this at the moment every day. It's the first thing. I wake up and I listen to the soundtrack. It's just beautiful. Is it like positive sounds or like what is the... It's very emotional. It can be very sad. And I think you should listen to it first before you watch the movie. Okay, good tip. I also, I haven't seen the movie, so... Because then you listen to it differently. If you know the movie already and you listen to the soundtrack, then you have all the scenes in your mind. Yeah, yeah, that's and a good point. And then you start to listen to it in a different way. Yeah, that's maybe. a good point. It's also interesting then when you do finally watch it to see what scene they put the music to. Yeah. Because you could true. have some like, oh, this is some amazing, like true. really positive track. And then it's like a scene of someone getting murdered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how did you get into this ambient stuff? One of my biggest influence in from electronic music is Thomas Brinkmann and also labels like Background or Audio NL. This is like the first records I bought and it's my biggest influence in the music. And they did also a lot of crazy abstract sounds, especially the label Audio and L or Background. There are some, some tracks that are just about sounds and I'm addicted in it. This is, I, I, I need, I don't know, I, I just love it. There's not many labels because I also have some Audio and Ls, the motor. Somewhat, yeah, because and that's pretty like clubby stuff. But there's no labels doing this mixture now, is there? Like the some functional not. thing, and then the next record no. is some totally weird, abstract experiment. I mean, like Tobias, of course, he's also one of the guys who are still doing a little bit abstract, experimental things. I would say also Ricardo and Moritz from Oswald. They are more into the jazzy thing, I would say, but. Um, Maybe Rasta Noten is the only yeah, yeah, Rasta Noten. Because they do some clubby and then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what other audio NLs? Like, what are some tips? I have all of them. Really? So all what are some clubbier ones? From the label? Yeah. Well, remember? there are no names on it on most of yeah, them, yeah. yeah? I think Thomas Brinkmann is one of the guys who combined two things very good. Super abstract and destructive sounds, but also danceable. That's the thing so many people are trying to find now. Weird, but functional. Mm. That's like the golden ratio. Uh, I think it's ratio very, very interesting to do music where it's not about being about a club track, danceable track. I think it's very nice if you do music, you can listen in your house, in your home, and where it's not about being to dance about and to dance to it. Mm. So... What do you think is next? After this electro thing is done, <laughs> what's the next trend going to be? Oh, my God. Back to I think minimal. we are going a bit more fast. Really? May, I'm not saying we go into GABA, but <laughs> um, I think it's going more into this direction. Maybe. Yeah. Because people we are already... Back, help, we, go, yeah. we are going back in the days. And when I was young, I also uh, experienced Tresor Club a lot. Yeah. And there was like 140 BPM techno going on. I hope we're going in this kind of direction. Yeah. It's so crazy how like um, how slow techno was. <gasps> you know this Ben Clock track, Sub-Zero, this huge one? Yeah. It's 126 BPM. Sounds like, so slowly. <laughs> yeah, man. And that was supposed to be a techno, or well, that was a yeah. techno bomb. But there was the time, 2005 and six, when... Everyone was playing like 120 BPM tech house. Yeah. You remember? Like I, the labels like Oslo came out from yeah. Frankfurt and Raummusik. Okay, Raummusik is already there, but yeah, yeah. when they had their time, like everyone was playing 120 BPM. Yeah, man. It's hard to imagine now. So now it's, we are going more faster, I think. Yeah. What difference do you think playing faster has? Like, why do you like it? Just because it's more energetic or do you think it's also better for the party no there are a lot of tracks you have to play fast they are not working if you play them 120 bpm and especially the older stuff i guess especially yeah. the older stuff of course there are some 
music you can play also very slowly, but there are some tracks you really have to play fast, because if not, they are not working. <laughs> 